Welcome to the Eat Scripture Podcast. This is Eric and Gina Robinson, and we are continuing to go through Luke. I know I keep saying that every time. So does Gina. We both say it a lot because we've been in Luke quite some time now. It's been good, though. Yeah, it's a great time in Luke, actually. And any gospel, I can't recommend highly enough. Everybody, just stay in the gospels. Um, So much great stuff in all of the gospels. We have reached now... Chapter 20, verse 27. Last time we were talking about the questions that were being asked Jesus. We saw some questions posed last time. Um, and Jesus has no problem, of course, answering anything. He just straight away gives them an answer that they are totally not ready question. for. Yeah, and sometimes often another question. Uh, and really kind of stumps them before they're done. But they keep coming. We're still at a point where they're keeping on coming. Now we've got one more to go here before they just shut up and don't want to say anything. So we're going to start by looking at that one. I feel like ever Um, since Jesus got to Jerusalem. Yeah, there's been a real assault on him. Yeah. And he's not holding back. No. He's he's saying some pretty difficult things for them to hear. Yes. Which we would probably expect in the Passion Week. I mean, he's really, he's reached his point now where he's not... He knows we're right on the verge of him being arrested. There's no more time betrayed, to hold back. Arrested, going, yeah, going to the cross. He knows that's where we're headed. So he is not holding back. He is jumping right in. Thank you guys for listening today. We just want to start by also saying we appreciate all of your kindness and uh, just giving us some some of your time and letting us share with you some of this. This is great stuff and we appreciate any help that you give us by sharing it. Uh, If you share it on social media or if you just share it with a friend or whatever, that's terrific to us and we really appreciate your prayers for our ministry. Any financial support you might give is also a great benefit to us. Um, We are just glad to be able to share something God's word like this and put it out there and if there's anything y'all want to interact with us about um, feel free to do that through our eatscripture.com website or um, even on your podcast uh, player or whatever it is if you want to write to us through that so we are really grateful love all of y'all and love to share with y'all so let's continue to do that for now as we start in Luke chapter 20 verse 27 and we're going to read this last question that comes to Jesus from the leaders uh, chief priests specifically Sadducees um, as they try and stump Jesus now it's their turn to try and catch him in something so we'll read this and then we'll discuss it There came to him some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection, and they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, having a wife but no children, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first took a wife and died, yeah, and died without children, and the second And the third took her, and likewise, all seven left no children and died. Afterward, the woman also died. In this resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had her as a wife. And Jesus said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy to attain that age 
and to the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they cannot die anymore, because they are equal to angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the bush, where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. Then some of the scribes answered, Teacher, you have spoken well, for they no longer dared to ask him any question. Oh, yeah. By the end of this, everybody got nothing to say. Nobody wants to ask Jesus anything else. Let's go back up to the top in verse 27, because we hear something, first of all, that's kind of explanatory. We have an explanatory note in 27. I think because that is an important note for this passage. Yeah. Uh, and and just for the readers in general who might not know, even in right. Luke's day, he's always, got a lot of Gentile readers. I always make the joke, but this is how I always remembered it, that the Sadducees are Sadducee because they don't believe in the resurrection. Yes. Makes and, perfect sense. <laughs> it just helps me to remember. Yeah, absolutely. But we always laugh when we say that. Hopefully, that, I mean, that's something you can. It's just a neat little memory tool, but it does help you remember. Yeah, I'd be sad if there was no resurrection, too. Yeah. They're sad, you see. So, but they are really the the high priests. They are, yes, the Sadducees have the high priestly uh, positions all locked up right now. So they're distinct. Yeah, the ones who are in those roles are almost all Sadducee class, and so that's what they're. That's what they have in their minds is this no resurrection idea. They also only believe, oddly enough. They are like the Samaritans in this way, although they would never say they were like the Samaritans in any way, probably. But they only believe the first five books are inspired books. They know the first five books, in other words, of our Old Testament, the Torah. Those are what they consider the inspired books. They know about the other books. They probably even get a lot of good out of the other books. But those aren't the inspired scriptures. Torah is the inspired scripture. Yeah. That's odd. Um... Also, this is the only time this sect, the Sadducees, are mentioned in Luke. Mm-hmm. Right. By name. Yep. Wow, that's interesting. Think about that, because you'd have thought they would have come up before now, but we've been mainly focused on Pharisees and scribes and, yeah, right. that kind of thing. Yeah. So, having the Sadducees come up now, okay. So, he tells us right off, they don't believe in, these are people who don't believe in the resurrection. Okay. Because that's going to explain why... They think this is a great question to ask somebody who does believe in a resurrection. Really, as I look back, I mean, some of these Sadducees were part of the people who were probably asking about the paying taxes to Caesar Mm -hmm. as well, because it says the scribes and the chief priests. No, yeah. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. They've been part of this, but but Luke is making it very clear to, to us here that it's the Sadducees. And they don't believe in the resurrection, and that's why this question is so yep. is coming up. Yep. Oh yeah. So they ask him this question, teacher. Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies having a wife but no children, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Okay. Now that alone, we're thinking that sounds weird. But in the law, sure enough, very clearly written in our own Bibles, is something that's talked about called leveret marriage. That's how we understand it to be known. A great example of that is uh, when Judah's son 
died in uh, Tamar. Yeah, Tamar was left a was widow. And trying to get and the, then, the, yeah, the, the other second, brothers. The to second marry. son married her, and then he was evil, it says, uh, did something evil. God struck him dead. And then it's supposed to be that then the next brother down the list will also marry her to make sure she's taken care of. Of course, Judah does not want to do that. He's lost two sons because they married this girl. Is what he, that's the way he sees it yeah. because they just married her. So he's afraid he'll have another so one die. Comes up and he has a, yeah. But yes, Genesis 38 becomes um, uh, an example, a strong example of this, of this idea. Marriage. Yeah. So the idea, of course, is to take care of widows. We don't yes. want widows would be very vulnerable in this society, and so we're trying and to keep that from happening. And if she doesn't have some offspring to take care of her, yep, a husband or any offspring, then she's yes in a very precarious situation. And, right. And so this is to give her, give the brother some offspring. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's going to wind up, hopefully, wind up producing offspring in the brother's name. Right. That's what will happen if any if any boys are produced. That's what's going to be. provide some security. Mm-hmm. Yes, those that is the hope. So that's why levirate marriage was a thing. Okay, so it's actually a very the the idea God is providing something good for society by doing that. As weird as this sounds right. to us, oh, you marry your the brother of your husband if your husband dies. Like I don't. I don't know any ladies who think that's good. This no. is a good plan, no. uh, but but God is actually trying to do something good for the society and yes. make a way for people to be taken care of. And and of course there had to be seven brothers because this is going to complete yeah. the complete you know the yeah complete family yes complete family all the yeah this is complete as it gets twenty nine verse twenty nine so there's seven brothers and the first took a wife and died without children. And the second and the third took her. And likewise, all seven left no children and died. And I hate this story. <laughs> because it's, it makes me just mad. Like, when would this ever happen? Well, and if of course, if there were this... this big, yeah, of course. There, there, there'd be uh, bigger things to worry about than who would be her husband in heaven. Uh, agreed. It seems to me like. <laughs> agreed. Like, what is wrong that all these sons keep dying? Yeah. Afterward, the woman also died, and in the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had her as a wife. So they think this is a good question to, to bounce off Jesus, because Jesus is, would have been much closer to the Pharisee idea of resurrection belief. He's, he's very firmly in the resurrection camp. Jesus has made no bones about it. And so knowing that, they're like, oh yeah, well then what would you do with this situation? Jesus, which again to us, we look at this and go, well, this is just ridiculous. Doesn't Jesus just say, why didn't Jesus just say, that's a stupid question. I'm not, we're not going to spend any time on this. But they have, they have crafted this question, probably in part made it sound silly because they think resurrection is not going to happen. So they're going to pose something so silly and so weird that hopefully the audience in their mind goes, Oh, well, if you got to think about stuff like that for the resurrection, if you're going to have a resurrection, then that sounds weird. Okay. I don't want to, and so they'll just give up on it, maybe. This is just going to be Who a knows? mess if there's a resurrection. Yeah, right. yeah, and it also drives that home there, yeah. So when you are do have all these resurrected people, 
what are you going to do with them then? Now you got a bunch of people who used to be married to other people, and you know now who's who's going to be married to who? How's that going to? So they're they're totally using. And also, just always when I get to the verse thirty-two where it says afterward the woman also died, I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, I'm sure she did. (laughs) I'm sure she's glad she finally had that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think, I think this part, this in part, what this thing does as Jesus even pushes at them is that it shows how much we as humans tend to think of a resurrection life only in terms of the life we're experiencing here right now too exactly. this is our only thing to use to try and imagine a resurrection life so we just imagine a resurrection life as being really great things from this life right like this only I'm gonna extra s- yeah I'm gonna sleep in every day until 12 like that's even what? What? Do you really think the resurrection is going to be you going to bed at night with, with you know, a bag of non-calorie chips that tastes better than any chips you've ever had and then getting to, and no crumbs, litter the bed because it's heaven and then you sleep overnight and you sleep until noon. This is heaven for you. I mean, if, if you're really trying to define it in these terms, you're not even, not even beginning They're to think about what God, yes, you're cheapening. Heaven. And that's what they're doing. Because they're yes. making it all they're about it the like same this. thing is here. It's just this, Which, only better. You know, as annoying as this all is to me, mm-hmm. I have to admit that I think, you know, I've had these same kinds of thoughts. Mm. Because I think it's hard to not, we don't know how to think about Absolutely, because we can't get our minds out this of this This is all experience. we know. Right. So, thinking about it in a whole different way. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and why would they, we don't have much information about how it's going to be. Right. This is one of the few places where we do get a little bit. I There's not going to be agree. marrying in heaven. Mm-hmm. We're not going <laughs> to. Yeah. Which he doesn't elaborate on that. I mean, so what no. exactly Still does lots that of questions, mean? But... That we'll be like the angels in heaven. Okay. But in what way? I mean, how are we? So we're not even going to go there, but he's just going to say, Hey, marriage the way it takes place here, not happening there. So that's, he's going to leave it at that. But then he's going to drive home the resurrection in a different way. Rather than talking about, let's get outside of marriage. Let's go to something much more at the heart. Yeah. He totally knows why they're asking it. So Jesus says to them, the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and to the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage, nor can they die anymore. Because they're equal to angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. And then he's coming to his real point. Verse 37, but that the dead are raised? Okay, let's talk about that, though. Let's not let's get a whole out of this really whole marriage idea. Yes. This marriage and remarriage idea, which you, you posed that question to me. Get your head out of that. Let's go to the heart of this question. Even Moses showed. Okay, this becomes important for us because he's going to the Pentateuch. He's not going to quote something outside the Pentateuch to try and talk to Sadducees because they only believe the first five books are inspired. Okay, so yeah, so let's talk about what Moses said. Even Moses showed in the passage about the bush, okay, where God introduced himself, Exodus chapter 3. That's what we know. That's what we're talking about, where he calls the Lord, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now he's not God of the dead, but of the living. 
for we all for all live to him and then some of the scribes answered teacher you have spoken well now what did he just do if he i go back to that passage yes he did he actually gave proof in his Which in his speaking he was giving proof of the resurrection i didn't and I don't think most people still do. I think we read over this and we don't realize in what way has Jesus just given them an answer that right. that has stumped them. Like, why did he say that? Like, okay, yeah, I mean, what did he say that was stumping there, that was giving proof of the resurrection? In what way did he, did he do something that really caused them to rock back on their heels? But that's exactly what he's done. Mm-hmm. So now I have to dig into this argument a little more to understand it. If I go back to that passage in Exodus chapter 3, I see that three times God uses uh, the description of himself, that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Three times in that one passage, he's just hammering it home to Moses, of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Right. And he's the way he's saying that his name there is I am. Yes, that's where he's introducing himself as Yahweh to Moses. And Yahweh strictly means I am. And so then when he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he uses those words. Yes. Okay. Everything he's using is in what we would call present tense. Those of you who may know Hebrew out, Hebrew out there, um, I just want you to know, I'm not, I know there's no tenses in Hebrew. I know that's what, not what we're saying. But the way, the best way to translate this, obviously, obviously, is present tense. That's yeah. how we're supposed to, what we call present tense, that's the way we would translate this. So now I'm reading in Exodus chapter 3, and God is saying, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Right. This is exactly where Jesus is taking his argument from. Indicating that he's still their God. That's right. That's exactly where Jesus, what Jesus is saying. That when Mo, that when he said, that when God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, huh? Well, there it is. Because we know God's not the God of dead, but the God of the living. And so they must still be alive because he told Moses, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not I was, or not they were thinking I was their God, or they were worshiping me as God. Nothing like that. It's all present tense. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, there you go, Jesus says. Obviously, there's life after death because they would have already been dead, but God is saying present tense, I'm their God. Right. So it, it they're still a, alive. It was a good enough argument that it stunned them to silence. So much they so, yes, that say. you then have scribes answering, Teacher, you have spoken well. The scribes are happy about this answer. They may have had a hard time fending this question off for years before now. And then all of a sudden, Jesus answers it so simply and so easily, drives it right home in the first passage where we have Moses introduced to Yahweh, by Yahweh, and uses that simple language there to say, see, your argument doesn't have any merit. God is obviously the God of the living, so they're still alive. They've been resurrected. That is an amazing thing. Now, as hard as that might be an argument for us to really fathom that that worked, but to them, with their focus on every letter and every word in Scripture, oh, it totally makes sense to them. They're like, wow, that's amazing. That is what it says. He is saying that. And so 
God is very precise in his word choice in scripture. And so they, they hang on that kind of thing. And they're like, wow, that is a big deal. So it makes it, it makes this point perfectly, so perfectly, like you've said now a couple of times that nobody now wants to ask him anything. They're so stunned by his great answers that they're like, okay, we are not going to be able to trap this guy. got instant headache now. They're yeah. trying to figure out. Yeah. What he, is, is that true what he just said? And they know it is. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they've got to go home and think about that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, let's go on now to the question that he's about to pose to them in verse 41. But he said to them, How can they say that the Christ is David's son? For David himself says in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. David thus calls him Lord. So how is he his son? Okay, verse 40. They stopped asking him questions, but he's not done yet. So right. verse 41, he says to them, Here's a riddle for Here's you. something. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Let's talk about this. So for those of you who've read Psalm 110 before, 110, this is from 110 verse 1. Um, Whenever Jesus poses them the question, how can they say that the Christ is David's son? Then he says, for David himself says in the book of Psalms, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Now, very strictly, it would say, Yahweh says to my Lord, is what it would say in Hebrew. And so if we go back to Psalm 110 in our Bibles, we'll see that all caps Lord back there. And that lets us know. That's Yahweh. Adonai was a word that could mean Lord. Human could also mean Lord God. And it gets used very, both of those ways throughout the Old Testament. Yahweh always means Yahweh, obviously. It's just always it, all caps Lord, Lord means Yahweh. Yeah. And then um, this one, Yahweh, sometimes it was in reference to Yahweh, but sometimes it wasn't. It was in reference to a human being. But the tricky part here is that David's the one writing this song. And David is God's king. And so there's nobody above him. In a Jewish mind, there's nobody between him and God. There's just them. There's just the king on the throne, especially David, of all people, God's most yeah, loved king and after God's own heart. And so, so he, though, writes these words, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And then he says, Jesus says, David thus calls him Lord. So how is he his son? The son of David is supposed to come. And yet, David himself seems to be referring to that very person, that messianic figure, as above him. Which, David's the greatest. How could there be one above him? This is just a son of David, somebody in the likeness of David. But this is saying that that one's going to be exalted above David, somehow between David and God. That there's some kind of thing going on there. So, so Jesus throws that verse out to him and says, "How do we account for this?" 
And we're not going to get an answer. This text is going to sit here staring at us, giving us nothing. We're going to go straight into a different point. You think they just ignored that question? Yeah, I think yes. I think they had nowhere to go. I think they have nowhere to go. They've probably been talking about it at length before this, but there's no good answers for it. And Jesus is putting it out there because he has the real answer for it. But he knows, I think he knows it's more than likely going to just hang in the air. But it will be something that he's using to subtly, ever so subtly, drive home, which after the fact, after the resurrection, the disciples can look back on and go, oh, he was pointing us to that very psalm and really talking about himself, but we had no idea Mm -hmm. what he was at. That he's more than just the son of David like we understood our Messiah to be. He was trying to point out that he was, he knew that he was, but actually above David, greater than David, and needed, was kind of giving us a chance yeah, to see. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm thankful that Luke saw fit to include this, because yeah. this is for us. Yes. This was for them. This is for us. Yeah. For them after the resurrection. I completely agree, because that's the only way you can truly get a grip on it. I mean, Psalm 110, you read that song. Which is the same psalm where it says, you will be a king forever in the order of Melchizedek. Which is the very thing that Hebrews is like, ha ha, look at that, Psalm 110, obviously Jesus. Mm-hmm. No question about it, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He quotes it many times. But here, we've already got it quoted, and it's clearly in reference to Jesus, and by Jesus himself, and the only way to truly interpret it now, we finally got the key to that in Jesus. Without that key, you are going to look at it forever and go, and who in the world could David possibly be talking to or about? This is just a bunch of gibberish. Yeah, it sounds gibberish yeah. <laughs> What in the world is this? But now that we have Jesus to make sense of it, it's awesome. It's fantastic. It becomes wonderful messianic song for us to look at. So I do love it for that. So what we've had here today are this question by the Sadducees and then a question, final question by Jesus, which shuts everybody up. But in both cases, we've had Jesus, um, I say (laughs) his answer to the Sadducees is what shut everybody up. And then he gave another question that still left him stunned and unable to speak apparently. And so nobody said anything there. But what we've had is as he's given us these things, he is really teaching us too about reading scripture and really letting right. it be because he's quoting scripture is. in all of this and yeah. talking about how that is pointing to him mm-hmm. yep. how the Old Testament scriptures are pointing to him yeah and certainly teaching us to be attentive to every word for sure and that's what both of these do something as little as the Lord said to my Lord becomes a giant thing mm-hmm. when you're seeing something as little as what we would call the tense that is being used in Exodus chapter 3 is a giant thing when you come to understand what it is that Jesus is doing here. So, teaching us to be attentive to everything about Scripture, which is exactly what the Jews would have been. They would have been very attentive to all of that. Well, I absolutely love this stuff. Uh, This does really point us, always point us back to Him, back to who He is and what He's done to so interesting these last few days that he had on earth how much intense teaching he was doing mm-hmm. yeah and 
Yeah. We need to pay attention. Yeah. There's an awful lot of the gospel records that are devoted to one week of time. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, yeah, paying attention is huge. Well, great to talk to you all. Glad to have you join us again. Look forward to talking to you later and feel free to share. Um, We will go on to chapter 20, verse 45 next time and see how far we get. But God bless y'all. and We hope you have a great few days. Take care. Thank you.